I ask that you bear with me and be patient with me. I'm dealing with allergies just like I know a lot of you are. So there may be multiple times throughout the sermon where I stop to take a drink because my allergies don't affect me in my like nasal reason, region as much. They affect me right here. And so uh, I might have to stop and take drinks throughout. So be kind and gracious to me. I won't, be, I won't get upset if you guys want to take a drink during the sermon as well. Okay? Um, as I mentioned... Um, uh, this morning earlier, invite invite your friends, family, and people out next week. I've got some kind of hopefully cool things planned. If God allows them to go off the way that I'm planning them to go off, it should be pretty cool, but uh, he's going to have a better plan than me either way. But um, yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. So come on out next week at 9.30 for, for Easter, or come out at 7.30, and you'll hear a somewhat traditional early morning message. We're going to sing a song or two on guitar, and then we'll eat breakfast together. I love breakfast. And then we'll, uh, we'll have some fun at 9.30. But today, today we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. You're going to recognize possibly, if you've been here the past two weeks, that it seems like I'm saying a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again in these messages. I promise you it's not because I'm trying to force what I'm trying to say into this. It's because this is a letter from Peter. And when you're writing a letter, unless you're like me with ADD where you bounce ideas around, normally you stick with one topic until you've finished said topic and then go to the next one. So Peter here is still in this letter, still on this topic of salvation, still on this topic of what we do because of our salvation. So it's not the same as last week, but you're going to hear some similar principles, some similar ideas as you heard last week and the week before that. If you remember week one, we looked at the first half of First Peter chapter one. And all that was about our eternal security and how salvation is assured uh, and stuff like that. And then last week, we looked at what we should do, how we should act and interact because of that. And now this week, we're going to look at the title of this one is Living Stones. And that comes right from the middle of this passage. So let's read it. First Peter 2, verses 1 through 12. It reads, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they became... For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's unpack this. Number one, like newborn babies. Like newborn babies. You'll notice, if you remember from last week, this is the second time now that Peter has told us to be like children. Last week it was be obedient, like obedient children. This week it's be like newborn babies. He's not, you know, I, how many times have you heard in your life you're acting like a child grow up? That's not what Peter's going with here. He's going with the good parts of being a child. A child is obedient and follows what their teachers, they, they become who their parents and teachers tell them to be in a lot of ways. They will follow what you do. That's what he's talking about last week. And now this week, he's saying like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. You should be longing for this book. Milk for a baby is not just something that tastes good. It's its, it's, its sustenance. Outside of something like air and water, right? It's what gives it life. It's, what, it's its nutrition. This book and the words that are in it should be your spiritual nutrition. You should long for it. One of my favorite songs is Beautiful Sound by Newsboys. And the opening line to that song is, Turn the page, can't turn the light out. Every word, every line carries to my soul. Dark letters on a page singing so loud. He's saying, this book, I can't put it down because of what it says, because of how it feeds my hungry soul, my empty soul. It feeds it. That's how it should be for you and I. It should not be a constant struggle to get up in the morning and do your devotions because you desperately want to read the word. It should not be a struggle to take 10 or 15 minutes a day just to read through one or two verses because you should long for it. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm 24 years old. I'm younger than most of you in here. I'm older than a few, but younger than most. Doing a daily devotional has been something that I have struggled with my entire life. It just always has been. I've tried doing them in the mornings, but it doesn't work as great for me because my brain doesn't work as well in the morning. It takes an hour, an hour and a half, two hours for my brain to start to function at a normal capacity. I tried to do them at night then. Because my brain works best. The best essays and stuff I've ever written were written at 2 in the morning. So I said, all right, I'll do my devotions before I go to bed. That way my brain is working right. Well, that didn't work because then my brain's like, yeah, sleep. This is great. And it started to shut off on me. And, of course, you just don't find time during the day. You're always doing this or that or the other thing. So it's been a constant struggle for me to discipline myself to do them, and I chose to do them in the morning because that is true discipline for me. To force my brain to wake itself up and do them in the morning is discipline for me. And there are days, church, where I don't want to drink this word in. There are days when I go, you know, I could skip this you know, I was out late last night. I need to sleep. I was out at a Phillies game that they lost 15 to 1 and didn't get back until 2 in the morning. That was my Thursday this week. I tell you what, I got up Thursday morning and I really didn't want to learn about the Bible. But you should long to drink this in. There's going to be days when you don't do it anyway. I know people that literally, like, don't drink water for some reason. I don't understand it. You're looking at me funny. Miss Annette is one of them. I don't know how she has survived as long as she has. 
It's not that she drinks other stuff. She just doesn't drink anything. Don't be like that. Drink this up. Like a newborn baby longs for milk, drink it up. Number two, the living stone. The living stone. And this is where, we're, this is where the, you know, the title of this sermon comes from. Verse 4 says, And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. You are being built up, right? We know we've sung it before. We know it from Scripture. Christ is the cornerstone. And if you've ever built anything, you know that a cornerstone is needed. If the cornerstone is off just a little bit, the entire foundation is pretty much useless. If the cornerstone is tilted, if it's not leveled, if it's not strong enough, it's done. The Bible also says elsewhere, and my brain's blanking on me now, but that the apostles are the foundation. So you have the cornerstone, you have the foundation, and then we, every believer throughout time, is being built up to this house. You are part of the same house of Billy Graham. You are part of the same house as, as, as John Wesley. You are part of the same house of your favorite preacher. Just kidding. But you are part of the same house as me. We're all being built up together, building this, this spiritual house for a royal priesthood. You aren't left where you are. You are not the stone which the builders rejected. That was Christ. But now God's the one building, and he doesn't reject any stone. If you put yourself to be used by him, he will use you in incredible ways. And then verse 6. Um, these next few verses you'll see in 6, 7, 8, and 9 Peter references Old Testament, a lot of Isaiah. I've written them down here. I'll read them out to you if you'd like to write some of them down. Um, you'll notice that Peter does this a lot. He did this in last, in last week's sermon as well. Paul did it a ton. Christ did it when he spoke. They did this because, remember, the Old Testament is what they had. They didn't have the New Testament. This letter that we're reading right now as part of our New Testament, Peter was writing it at that time. So they reference the Old Testament a ton and a lot of Isaiah and things like that. So let's read this. In verse 6, I'll tell you this. Verse 6 is taking out of Isaiah 28, 16. Isaiah 28, 16 is where this is taken out of. He says, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Or the word that is translated in Isaiah 28 is disturbed. Go back to this idea of a cornerstone. The building, the house will not be disturbed. A lot of us live in old-time houses. I live in an old house. A lot of us live in old houses. They shift, right, as the year goes on. Sometimes doors don't close quite like they should because the house has shifted a little bit. It's cool. It adds character. This spiritual house is never like that because it never shifts. It is solid. It's built on solid ground. It's built with a cornerstone that is immovable. And you will not be disturbed. You will not be disappointed but this cornerstone does something else as well. We read in verse 7. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You can find those in Psalm 118.22 or Luke 2.34 or Matthew 21.42. Christ talks about that. He calls himself that. And then we read it in Psalms. Here's the thing, church. I want to tell you this. One of my idioms that I say a lot. Don't offend people by what you say. Offend people with the gospel. I never want to offend somebody by my own opinion. But you better believe I want to offend them by telling them that Christ is the only way to heaven. That's it. One way. The way, the truth, and the life. It's, it. it's him. No other way. No works. No other God. Nothing can get you there. Just Christ. Christ. 
And that is a stumbling block for people. This very cornerstone which builds us up makes other people fall. And that's okay. This cornerstone is incredible. This stumbling block to others, but this building stone for us. The builders rejected it, yet it was the greatest stone ever. And that's what this living stone is. That's who we are. All right. Now, because of all of this, number three, proclaim the excellencies. Proclaim the excellencies. As I was typing this into PowerPoint, the, the, the verses, and it says excellencies, it told me I had spelled it wrong. You know, it got that little red squiggly line underneath it. So I looked at it, and I went, no, I don't think so. And I retyped it in, still said I was doing it wrong. I've come to the conclusion I'm smarter than a computer. Not quite. No, I've come to the conclusion that this isn't an actual word somehow, but Peter used it, so I'm going to. But here we go. Proclaim the excellencies. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. All of that, by the way, in verse 8, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you this. Verse 8 comes from Isaiah 8.14. Verse 9 I'm going to rattle these off. Here you go. Isaiah 43.20, Deuteronomy 10.15, Exodus 19.6, Revelation 1.6, and there was at least four or five more that I didn't write down. Peter pulled this right from Scripture. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? He chose you and brought you in. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you think should be pointing people towards God. It should be pointing people upwards. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about making people feel good. It's about pointing them towards God. And that's going to tick some people off. That's going to make people upset. It just is. But it's still your job. It's still your goal. Your ultimate purpose in life is to point people upward towards God. You want to know what the will of God for your life is? It is to glorify him. That's what the point is. Now, here's the thing, right? I mentioned it, that people aren't going to like this. Those last two verses. I want to read to you verse 12 because it's one of my favorites in Scripture. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. People are going to say bad things about you. People are going to say things behind your back. But make sure that the things they're saying, one, aren't true, but two, are your good deeds. Because people are going to say things behind your back, but if other people are going, well, no, that's not really what happens, look at what they do. Look at what they actually do. It glorifies God. We read elsewhere in Scripture, right, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. One day, every knee will bow before God. And this says it right there. On the day of visitation, when they meet God, that they'll glorify him because of what you have done. Keep your head down. Keep going. Things get tough. Things are hard. I mentioned it. It was the last week or the week before. Life sucks. Keep going. People are mean. Keep going. People say bad things about you. Keep going. Glorify God and others will too. That's what Peter's saying here. You're a living stone. You're being built up in this, this as, a, as the, a spiritual house for this royal priesthood. So act right. It's the same thing as last week. It all comes down to act right. Your salvation's assured. You're going to heaven. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are his. Now act like it. 
in every way. It's hard. It's not easy. It takes everything out of us and more. That's why it's so great that we serve a God who keeps pouring into us. That's why it's so great that we have a cornerstone that will never be shaken. He makes the weak strong. He makes the foolish wise. He takes people that have been in the dumps and raises them up. Glorify him in your deeds and others will follow. It's going to be hard. We live in this world. You've seen it. We live in this world that screams against God in every way. It's no different than the past 6,000 years. We just have social media now so we can scream it a little louder than we used to be able to. But the world's been screaming against him ever since Adam and Eve sinned. But other people will see what you do. They're watching. You are being watched whether you know it or not. In the physical world and in the spiritual world. I always like to think that my life is a music video because i am always got music playing somewhere. And so while they're watching, they're not just watching like some sitcom. I have fun with that. People are watching you. What are they saying behind your back? When the person behind your back says, can you believe what so-and-so did? Are there other people who can go, I mean, that's not what they do. They do this. Do people glorify God because of what they see you doing? Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would help us. We praise you that you are that cornerstone. We praise you that you are immovable, unshakable, that you build and show us a firm foundation. Father, I think that we are all being built up together into this spiritual house. I thank you that, God, you chose to use me, a man who, who, who between the ages you know, of 13 and 16, right around there, decided he didn't want anything to do with you. A man who was depressed and suicidal, a man who was in the dumps, but you said, I want that stone, that is my stone. And that's my story. And everybody else has stories like that. But you said, I want that stone. That is my stone. And I'm going to build an incredible house with that stone. And I thank you that you choose us. God, help us to show our deeds, to glorify you through our deeds. We know, Father, that our works aren't what gets us to heaven. They don't get us there. But you still command us to do well. You still command us to work hard, to do good in the sight of everyone. Because they're all watching. Father, I pray for this week. Next week is Easter, and you know we're going to have people that come here and to other churches that don't normally go to church. God, I pray that throughout this week on Sunday and the weeks following that our deeds would show them that, yeah, we're different, but not in some weird way. We're different in a good way. We're different in a way that points people to you when it takes a little longer in the checkout line when the waiter or waitress isn't quite as kind to us as they could have been, when somebody cuts us off in traffic or when somebody needs to get in in traffic, whatever it be, help us to show our deeds as glorifying to you to others around us. Father, it's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen and amen.